Okay, as I said, I appreciate you joining us uh, tonight. I know we didn't get to have services at the building. I think there's still a lot of ice out there, and I appreciate uh, the elders' decision to keep everyone safe, but also that we can have this live stream that we can still uh, study together. So I hope that uh, as we do this tonight that uh, we can grow from the things in which we're going to study. We're going to go to Psalm 73 uh, tonight, and this psalm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still just a tad under the weather, and I hope I can get through this without coughing uh, too much this evening. Uh, but Psalm 73, it's a psalm of uh, Asaph, and it's one of uh, 12 psalms. Uh, you have Psalms 50, you have Psalms 73 through 83, that uh, uh, has him as the author or some form of that. And this was an individual that uh, was a great singer, musician uh, for David, uh, possibly for Solomon also, but he was very influential uh, when it comes to uh, the song of praise uh, to God. So we're going to discuss uh, what he has to say this evening by inspiration. One thing about this psalm, though, that uh, I think is interesting is it's, it's pretty raw, it's pretty open, uh, it's pretty honest of what he's dealing with, what he's feeling, and uh, I think his prayer to God is, is something we all can uh, uh, relate to. Uh, I think we can apply it to our lives. Um, but we have to remember when we're uh, talking to God, uh, we need to be honest with how we feel. If we're angry, we need to tell him. If we're upset, we need to tell him. If we're struggling, if we are uh, go through all these emotions in which we see here that uh, Asaph is, is feeling and going through when it comes to his faith and what he sees as um, a perspective of what he sees on the world around him, uh, I think it's a very honest prayer that uh, he gives to God. But let's start here with uh, verses 1 through 3 to begin with. Uh, we're in Psalm 73, if you'd like to follow along with us. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Uh, now, I think uh, Asaph is feeling something that I think at times we all feel, we all struggle with. He starts, though, by saying that, that truly God is good to Israel. So he's not only recognizing that God is good, he's recognizing that God actually is active in that goodness toward Israel. So he, he realizes uh, uh what he believes God is, which is good, and what he believes that God does. But where he's going to have a conflict is believing that God is good and God is actively good toward uh, uh, the pure at heart. What he's seeing around him uh, almost contradicts what he believes. Um, because he, he, he says here, even though he believes that, he says, as for me, my feet almost stumbled. So he's almost, I wouldn't say going to lose his faith, but he's struggling with his faith of what his perception is of what's around him, but also what his belief in God is. Uh, see, uh, I think he's struggling with the same thing here that Job struggled with is life's unfair. And when life's unfair, there's some answers that we just don't have. When, when we serve a sovereign God, 
we uh, are in a position to where we see things that sometimes doesn't make sense to us, that we question. Um, and they actually, when it comes to Job, Job pretty well went as far with his question as uh, Asaph is going to do here. Uh, he has to come to some realizations. But I want us to start out by just realizing that Asaph has a real problem. He's upset. He's struggling with his faith about this. And he's going to be honest to God with it. And what he does is actually tells God, this is what I'm going through. And it's like he's, he's talking himself through this also. He says, here's what caused him to stumble and what caused him to almost stumble and almost nearly slip. And he's talking about his faith here. He said, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So here's what it comes down to. He said, I, I know God's good. I know God's actively good to the pure in heart, but I'm, but what I'm seeing is, it seems like he's pretty good to the wicked too. And not only good to the wicked, almost too good to the wicked. And he said, to the point to where I'm uh, envious because of it. I'm envious because of the prosperity of these boastful or arrogant, as some translations say, wicked individuals. So here, here's these individuals that they're, they're arrogant, they're boastful. In other words, they want people to see them. They want to brag about what they're doing. They want to brag about how prosperous they are. We may put it in terms of, of rock stars or movie stars or, or someone. We, we look at the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And, and we look at these individuals and we see their lifestyle and we wonder how they could be so rebellious against God, so wicked at times, but yet still look like they're receiving these blessings from God. That's the perception of reality that Asaph is dealing with. He says they, they like to go around in their fancy cars, they have their fancy houses, they, they have all this money, they're flaunting all their views, their rebell rebellious things against God, but yet it seems like God's blessings are upon them. So he's struggling with this. See, the concept is about like, <coughs> excuse me, Job's friends had where, uh, you know, it, it, it's all relative to the blessings should only be to if you're doing good. In other words, good things should only happen to you if you're doing good. And bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. But yet Asaph is seeing the, the world around him. And he's saying, that's not exactly what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is the wicked are prospering. The wicked are doing good. And he's going to go on and kind of explain this just a little more. But that's the crutch of his problem. That's his beef. In other words, he's thinking he's getting a raw deal. And he's going to go in and explain that. Now, that may sound... That may sound harsh, but I think there's times that we think that and we, we feel this, we express this as Christians when we look around and we see the sacrifices that we made, and he's going to go in and talk about this, the, the sacrifices we make in our lives as Christians, the things that we might do without, the, the path that we choose to take, which is the narrow path, the, the difficult path, and you see the boastful out here, the wicked that's living it up. 
And it seems like their life is better than ours. And he's struggling with that. See, he doesn't care about the sinfulness of the successful. What he's concerned about is the success of the sinful. That's really what it boils down to. He's looking at their success. He's looking, yeah, they're wicked, but boy, they're pretty successful. Yeah, they're wicked, they're boastful, but they're living high on the hog. And he says, that's different than my life. And he don't understand it. He's struggling with it. So let's face it. We face this as Christians. We, we face this dilemma as we look out into the world. We see this very thing. And it's it, it can be heartbreaking. It can be to the point to where we start becoming envious. It can become sin to us because we will have envy, you know, envious. In other words, we, we want to covet what this person has. We want to we have what they have. And sometimes we may think we have to do the things that they do to receive that. So Asaph here, he's struggling. But he goes on and talks about the life of the wicked, starting in verse 4 here. He says, For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace, Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongues walk through the earth. So notice how he, he describes them here. He says, for there are no pains in their death. I think the King James says, actually, there's no bands in their death. Uh, in other words, I, I believe he's seen uh, uh, wicked people uh, suffer some painful deaths, struggle in their death. But I think he's seen a lot of, of, of wicked people die pretty peacefully. And uh, they live in such a way to where um, it seems like they, they don't have any problems. They don't have any struggles. They live their life so prosperous and seem like they just die in peace. It doesn't make sense to him. He says, but their strength is firm. He says, they're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. They don't go through the troubles. They don't go through the trials. They're not facing like other people face. They don't go through these dilemmas. And I think some of the things he's referring to here, some of the problems that Christians face, some of the struggles that Christians face, some of the things that we face as servants of God that I'm sure uh, Asaph faced were because they were servants of God. It's a, it can be a difficult life. It's a narrow way, leads to a narrow, difficult path that leads to this narrow gate. So what he's looking at at this life, okay, this life seems easy, it seems prosperous, it seems wonderful to the rich and famous and the wicked and the boastful who like to flaunt everything they have. It seems like they live that way and die such a peaceful death. He says it really just doesn't make sense. He says their pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. They live wicked lives and they're pretty proud about it. They're, they're prideful. It's almost like Asaph is almost saying the same thing that, that David says many times, where is the vindication? Where is the punishment? 
Where is the destruction of the wicked? Why are they living such good lives? David called on God many times to bring the wicked to nothing. And Asaph is, is saying here, why isn't that happening? Why isn't God doing that? I, I tell you, as, as I read and I studied Psalm 73, I, I, I have to look at myself because one of my, and, and I probably have many, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in here that will agree, I, I've got many faults. But one thing that I really struggle with is the, the fact of, of people getting away with something. That they, they do things and, and they're very boastful about it. They're very uh, 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 cunning and they just think they could do anything they want. They're so entitled and they just live any way they want. It doesn't matter what other people think or the consequences to other people. And I think that's what Asaph is saying here. These people, violence is, is their garment. Pride is their necklace. They wear this like a, a badge of glory. They, they love this. They, they, they get to a point to where they, they think no one can touch them. And I think people get to that point to where they think they're, you know, we use a phrase sometimes above the law. I think they think they're above the law of God, that they're above reproach. They're above uh, uh, being held accountable for anything that they're doing, and, and they're pretty boastful about it. And here's how boastful they are. He says they wear violence like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They eat and drink. They, they do so well, their eyes are bugging out. They're, they're filled to the brim with food and all the best things of life in abundance. And Asaph is jealous. Asaph is envious of that. <coughs> Excuse me. He's envious of, of what he's seeing. And he's struggling. He said, I, I almost slipped. I, I, I almost stumbled because of this. He said, I know God's good, and I know he's good toward the pure at heart. But he said, as for me, I almost stumble. I almost slip. I'm getting ready to fall because of what I'm seeing. And he's really struggling uh, with this. Uh, he says, they have more than heart could wish. Not only are they, in his eyes, maybe God is good to them, but God is maybe too good to them. Because I think in his line of thinking, as, as was Job's friends when they were trying to explain things to Job, what he was struggling, that life wasn't fair, is the fact that good things come to good people, bad things to bad people. Now you're seeing something bad happening, or something good happening to bad people, and, and there's just no rationale to that. God's good, isn't he? I, I think people struggle with that today. If God is such a good God, why do bad things happen? Why do all these kind of things happen? You know, we, we you do that extreme, but I think more times than not, to to Christians, uh, the the question is not... If God is good, why do bad things happen? But if God is good, why do good things happen to bad people? I think we have more of a problem with that than maybe we do about bad things happening to good people. Because envy sets in, jealousy sets in. We start thinking about what somebody else has got that we don't have, how their life is better, and how our life is not. And these are, I think, true, raw emotions that Asaph 
is feeling. Now, Asaph isn't just some, um, I don't want to say just some run-of-the-mill servant of God. Uh, he had a pretty prominent position as far as leadership. So it wasn't that he just haphazardly served God. He was a servant of God. He was true. He was faithful. He was he was in there when it counted. He was he he was shoulder to shoulder with 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 some pretty prominent individuals that served God. So I, I don't think this is something that's easy for him, but it's something that's real for him, and that he has the ability and he has the uh, uh, notion to be honest about this, but not only be honest, be honest to God about it. And that's what he's struggling with. So he's saying here, they have more than their heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongue walks through the earth. Set their mouth, they talk against God. And they talk about this everywhere, because remember, they're boastful. They're not only wicked, they're boastful. So they're, they're spreading this this message of rebellion against God and, oh, God can't touch us. Look, look at, I think it's almost like a mockery uh, uh, toward those that are serving God as if, you know, look, you're serving God, look how you're living. I'm not, look how I'm living. To them, it's a pretty big argument. It's them to someone who's trying to make a choice whether to serve God or not. Do you want to live a life of, of sacrifice or do you want to live a life of plenty? Now, you have these health and wealth ministers who preach, you know, just, uh, you know, you, if you become a Christian, you serve God, he's going to give you a jet airplane. You know, some preachers tell you, God told me I'm not going to ride around in this car anymore. I'm going to have a plane one day. I'm going to have this one day. I'm gonna, and it's not that we, it's wrong to have these things, but that's not how it works. God doesn't say, if you serve me, I'm going to uh, give you all the wealth and fame that you can have in this world. But he does say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, these things that we need if we're seeking God first, and we'll be able to distinguish what we want and what we need. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, John 10 and 10. I don't believe he's just talking about eternal life. I think we can have a good life here. But even if we're having a good life here as we think of it, we still look out and see someone else that has more. A neighbor's always going to have a new car. Uh, a, a friend or a co-worker is always going to be uh, promoted and maybe you wouldn't or have a bigger house or a bigger take a big, bigger vacation or whatever it's going to be. There's always going to be something. And it's easy to fall in that trap of being envious of it. It's easy to fall in that trap and get to the point as Asaph and say, I, I almost stumbled because I almost slipped. Because it's hard for me to reconcile this good God and this the wicked having good things happen to them. He said that, that's pretty hard to reconcile. But they're mouthing this all over and they're speaking against uh, against heaven. So we, uh, let's go to verse 10 here and following. He says, therefore, his people return here and the waters of full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? 
Behold, these are the ungodly, who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocence, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Now, he unpacks quite a bit of stuff here. He says, "Thee, therefore, his people, talking about the wicked and the boastful, they return here. They're, they're all doing the same thing. And he says, and the waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? In other words, they're harassing all these individuals. They're, they're doing all these things. And they're saying, well, how does God know? What's he going to do? How, <coughs> excuse me. How, he hadn't done anything, so he's not going to do anything. So they're very boastful about it. They're, they're very prideful. It's not only that they are doing these things, they're, they're arrogant about it. They're very prideful about it. And he said they're spreading this everywhere. And he says, and is there knowledge in the Most High? They're asking questions. How does God know? Is there any knowledge? He, he's not done anything. So if, if they're saying this, and you've got an individual who is, already thinking, why is God letting this go on? If he's a good God, then maybe he doesn't know about it. Maybe he can't do anything about it. See see how it kind of snowballs? That's why Asap said, I almost stumbled. I almost, I almost slipped here. Because it doesn't just start with uh, just the fact of being envious. It doesn't just start with that sin. It, it, it grows on further to, okay, now I'm envious. Now it's got me questioning my faith. It's got me questioning God to the fact of doubt, of, of, of doubting why I'm doing what I'm doing and, and doubting what God is able to do. Or if he is able to do it, then he must not be a very good. And is he really a good loving God if he's going <coughs> to... Excuse me, let the wicked prosper because of it? So notice where it leads to. He says, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Now notice, he says, here's what they're doing. They're always at ease. They increase in riches. Their life is wonderful. What about mine? What about my life? He says, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And wash my hands in innocence, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So now he's questioning, is what I'm doing in vain? Is what I'm doing worth it? Is it, is it, is it worth the sacrifice? Is it worth the pain? Is it worth the heartache? Is it worth uh, not having all of these things? So it went to just envying, not, not just envying what somebody else is doing and what somebody else has, but regretting or not appreciating what you have and start asking yourself, is it worth the sacrifice? Here I am making these sacrifices. What's my reward in that? A chastening by God. See, he's not saying just that bad things happen to him. He says what, what happens is they're happening from God because that's what chastisement is. So he says, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So you want to know what I get 
for my faithfulness? You want to get know what I get for my reward? You want to know what I get for my loyalty to God? Chastened, plagued, heartache. That's what I get. Now these are some real feelings that Asaph is having here. He's being honest and just raw. It's like he's saying to God, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, trying to put it in their terms today. He's saying, God, I made a choice to live for you. I made a choice to to uh, serve you, and I counted the cost. I'm making my sacrifice, but I'm not seeing the benefit in it. Because when I'm looking out there, there's individuals who didn't count the cost. There's individuals that's not serving you. There's individuals that not making a sacrifice. They're living pretty good. And I'm not very happy about that. I'm not happy about that at all. I'm struggling with that. Remember the argument Job had? I'm struggling with why this is happening to me. I serve you, so this shouldn't be happening. I didn't do anything wrong. My friends are telling me I must have done something wrong or this wouldn't happen to me because God doesn't bless the wicked. He doesn't curse the uh, uh, his children. He doesn't have bad things happen to his children. So Job, he must have done something. <coughs> Asaph's argument here is, I'm serving you. I'm being chastised because of it. I still have plagues that come upon me. I still have these bad things happening to me. Bad things aren't supposed to happen to good people, but yet good things are happening to these bad people. It's not making sense. I'm kind of liking how they're doing. I'm not thinking about their sin. I'm thinking about their success. And I'm struggling with that. Whew, that's, that's a pretty powerful feeling, isn't it? But it's a real feeling. You ever had anything happen in your life you thought was unjust? You ever didn't get the promotion at work and somebody else did because they knew how to play the game and you didn't play the game and so you didn't get rewarded? You see uh, sacrifices that you've made in your life and now you're comparing your household to what you see on TV of what other people's households are or even what you see in your neighborhood, other people's households. And you're saying, I, mine's not that good. I don't have a car like that. I don't have a house like that. I don't take vacations like that. Is this really worth it or not? If I'd done, if I would not stood on my principles here, if I'd not followed God and I'd made different choices, I could have had a better house. That's what we think. Could have had a better car. Could afford better vacations. Because I, I was willing to compromise on things that God said I couldn't compromise on, and, and I could have got, I, I, I could have been a little more prosperous in this world. So I didn't make those. Other people just rebelled against God, and they're living pretty good. And he says, I'm just not liking what I'm seeing. Now he starts to kind of, we, we see where uh, he uh, 
he, he starts trying to understand where he's at. He, he's vented. He's, he, he's got this off his chest. And I think starting here, verse 15, you, you see a total turnaround of this psalm. Uh, he, he, he says, okay, here's my uh, view on God. He's good. He does good things to pure at heart. But as for me, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm stumbling. I'm, I'm about to slip. And here's why. I see the, the wicked and the boastful prospering and, and servants of God not. I'm starting to envy what they're doing. I'm starting to regret what I'm doing. I'm starting to question my faith, question my sacrifices as to whether it's worth it or not. But notice what he says starting verse 15. He says, if I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. So notice what he says. Okay, he's saying all of this, but he's saying it to God. He didn't say it publicly. He said, because if I, if I had of, I've been untrue to this generation of yours. He says, I, and this shows his faithfulness. This shows how I think mature he is in his faith. <coughs> he knows he's got to be careful what he says of how it may influence someone else. Because see, all of this is him. As for him, he almost stumbled. He almost slipped. But if he got to venting this to everybody else, others may stumble. Others may have slipped. So see, there, there's nothing wrong. I think it's okay for us to well, I know it's okay. We should always be honest with God. And there's, we just have to tell him how he feel. we feel. We know he knows already what we need before we even ask him. But I think for our own benefit, it's beneficial to say it to God, to even say it to ourselves, uh, not to let it fester up. And, you know, I'm, I'm a brooder. I, I, I have to say I'm a brooder. I keep a lot of things in. I let it build up, and it, it, it's hard for me to, to let go. Asaph here is, it, all this is what he's feeling inside, but he's letting it out to God, and he realizes, okay, if I vent this to everybody, it's not just a me problem. It's me and everybody I tell problem. And as I'm working through my feelings, I may be a stumbling block to somebody else. I may be too rash in what I say. I may be too too quick to the draw on uh, talking about these matters when I don't fully understand them myself. I'm just trying to reason them in my mind. So he's, he's very mindful of that, and I think that's a, a good thing. Cause, and here's how we see that. He says, I will speak thus, behold... I, if I spoke these things, I would be untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. He said, I'm thinking about this, and it's just, it's too painful for me. I, I can't reconcile this. It, it hurts. It hurts. He's, 
He's disappointed. He's hurt. He's envious. I think in himself and in trying to understand this because he can't reconcile this. And there's a reason it's too painful for him. And it's a reason he's not able to reconcile this. But he remedied, he remedied these. I don't know what I'm trying to say. He, he, he does find a way to reconcile this. He finds a remedy for that, uh, for how he's feeling. Now it's, when he's trying to understand it, it's too painful. And notice what he says. Until, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. The reason it was too painful, the reason it was hard for him to understand, he was looking at it from a worldly perspective. I'm looking at all the things of the world, and if I was like Demas in love with this present world, then I would have forsook God. Because all I would think about is what's going on around this world. And that's what Asaph is, de Asaph is dealing with. He's looking around in the world and he's not liking what he's seeing. But he said, that's too painful for me because I can't reconcile it on a fleshly basis. When I think of it in a carnal way, it's hard. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't seem fair. And life's not fair. But he's about to realize it's not about just this life. Because notice, he says, it was too painful for him until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. He went to church. <laughs> he went to the sanctuary of God. He went to worship God. And when he went to worship God, he then understood their end. Now, that may seem like a simple statement, but there's a lot involved there, isn't it? See, we don't just go to church. We are the church. There could be a whole lesson on the, the body of Christ and, and how we're the church. The building's not. But he's talking about going to the sanctuary of God for the purpose of, of worshiping God. And when you go to worship God, it's not about you anymore. It's not about the people around you anymore. It's about God. He's focusing on God. What's there? There's prayer. There's preaching of God's word. Uh, he's seen sacrifices. He would have. Uh, singing praises to God. He was a, a big part of that. So his focus changed. And notice what he did. He said, then I understood their end. He didn't go to just participate in something about his feelings. He didn't go to, to the sanctuary of God to just uh, live out his feelings and that spiritual feeling that you're supposed to get and, and try to make himself feel good while he was there. And, oh, I just get so much out of it. And the reason I'm saying this is because he said he <coughs> then he understood their end. He went to praise God. He went to worship God, and there was understanding in that. It wasn't about his feelings. It was about his understanding the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he realized it wasn't about this life. It was about the next. Who was it? I think it was Matthew Henry that said, when, when we look out into the world, it, it upsets us because we see the wicked dying as lambs. 
In other words, we see this peaceful dying, this peaceful living. He said, but what we need to realize, they may die as lambs, but they spend eternity with goats. What, what was Matthew Henry saying there? He's saying what Asaph came to an understanding of. Yeah, the wicked may prosper here, but there's a different eternity for those on the wide path, on the wide gate, than there is for those on the narrow path to the narrow gate. He said, when I understood their end, uh, I don't envy that. I'm not jealous of that. I may look at them prospering here. I may look at them being boastful here. And yeah, for, for a moment, well, when I almost slipped, I was, I was pretty envious about that. But I finally got my perspective back right. I got my understanding right when I understood God as the way he reveals himself to me through his word. Yes, he's a good God. He is good. He's loving. He does active things for us because uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came to save us just like he did the wicked. He came to save the world. Give them the opportunity that they should not perish but have everlasting life. But if the wicked refuse that, then he says what their punishment will be. He says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. He tells us to be faithful unto death and he'll give us a crown of life. <clears throat> with that faithfulness may come with chastisement on this world. It's going to come with us looking out the door across the, uh, across the road to our neighbor and seeing sometimes better things in this life. But our reward is not this life. Our reward is the next. And he sees what their end is, he said. I, 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 I got that back in perspective. I, I come to an understanding of that. That envy is gone now. Because <laughs> he said, I'm looking at the right thing. See, we can do that. We can get all these feelings in the world that we have around us. We can be envious. We can be jealous. We can uh, have doubt. We can have all these. But if we worship God the way he tells us to in spirit and in truth, we can come in under, to an understanding of what the end is going to be like for us, those that serve God, and to the wicked. We will put things in perspective and not have a perception just from the world point of view. Because as Asaph said, that's pretty painful of trying to understand that until we put aside all of that and truly understand the things that God wants us to. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <clears throat> and what does it make us free from? Free from, from envy, free from jealousy. 
free from these feelings that we're going to have because when we look at things from a worldly perspective, it doesn't make sense and it's hard. It's painful. Don't you want to be free from that? I want to be free from that. And the only way that we can be is to truly know the truth, to understand, come to that understanding to what God wants us to be and how he wants us to think. And I think that's a, a great thing. Let's move on. We're running out of time. He says, Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation. As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. He says, It's not me that's on a slippery slope. It's them. He says, like they're in a dream, but when they wake up, they're going to be pretty astounded. Astonished because of it. They're boastful about it now. They're prideful about it now. But they won't be then. Now, he says, so Lord, when you awake. That's a, that's a little hard to interpret for me because it almost seems like Asaph is still thinking, okay, God's not aware of it. But I think what he's actually saying is when you awake. In other words, when your time comes, when, when that cup of wrath is, is full, then I know that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. When that time comes. And I think what he's understanding, that time hasn't come. So let's go a little bit farther. <coughs> he says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ir ir ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. He said, I, he said, I was foolish and ignorant. I was thinking of it the wrong way. I, I was coming at it from the wrong perspective. My perspective should have been of how you view things, God, not how I view things. And he says, I know you're there with me. Uh, I know you hold me by... My right hand, you'll guide me with your counsel. What he's saying is, I may not can come to an understanding of it, but if I can understand God of what he wants me to understand, then it's going to take care of itself. That's where I'm putting my trust. That's where I'm putting my time. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. He says, I've, I've got the right perspective now. I, I'm thinking the way that you want me to think, God. I know that you're going to destroy the wicked. I know that you are guiding me. You are trusting me. Those that desert you, or I'm trusting you, those who desert you, you're going to take care of them. But those who serve you, you're going to take care of them also. And he says, I put my trust in you. And notice, he was careful not to speak against God to cause someone else to stumble. But notice what he says here, I may declare all your works. He says, what I am going to declare is all your works. So he says, yeah, I've vented to you, God. I prayed this. I was honest with you. These are my feelings. 
We've worked through them. I come to this understanding by putting you first. He says, that's what I'm going to declare. That's what I'm going to tell the world is your good works. So I hope tonight as we, we studied this, I hope as we talk this out together, I hope that when we do as Asaph did, and I think we do, when we have envy, when we're jealous, when we're struggling to make things make sense, maybe we can go through this process, realize how careful we need to be when doing it, but always realizing how important it is to worship God, to follow Him, and to not just trust in my feelings, but come to a true understanding of His truth so I can see the world as He wants me to see it. And how He wants me to see it is looking through this world to eternity. And that's what we're all striving for. So I pray that as we think about this, that you would think about that too. And if there's any need that you have, whether it is uh, needing their prayers, needing their encouragement, needing some kind of help, needing to obey the gospel, that you'll contact us. Any of us at, at Center Grove would be happy to assist you in any way that we can. And I hope that this study will call someone to come to God or call someone who is serving God but struggling to come to an understanding of it happens. We all struggle. We all have feelings that it's hard for us to, to control and work through. But if we stay the course, we follow God, God will help us do it. May God bless you, and I pray that you have a good night.